Amen, huh? Let the church say amen. God is good. Well, all right. Good morning. Welcome to you all. Get all my papers here together. Um, So many places to start from. Well, first of all, um, as I go into my story of my journey, the disclaimer is uh, I got to be Pastor Andrew through my journey, through following God. And I'm still in that, still learning and still growing in that. So as I lay myself bare, I don't want you going, what, the pastor, what? So it's out there, okay? As my brother says, the pastor ain't always walked up right. All right, here we go. So off of the miracles, I want to introduce you to this because I was thinking of this as we're doing the story, and right now we're talking about God in the Israelites, where Moses led them out of Egypt. Uh, Pastor Greg shared with us about the presence of God being down last Sunday and our response to the presence and the realness of God. And so now I'm doing wandering when the uh, Israelites were wandering in the desert, but they were on a journey before they started wandering. But just as I was reading and studying for this, and I'm just looking at Moses leading all these people, you know, like Moses leading all these people, then my mind started going. So then I'm thinking like, hmm, I wonder if you got 3 million people, that would probably be from on the belt line, that'd be from Stoughton Road, probably stretch all the way back to Middleton. And then someone's like, no, you're going to go beyond that, 3 million people. So it's like, okay. So then I'm thinking, I got to get to some mathematical people. So I go up to uh, stairs here in the office and I talk to Debbie Horsfell and Kathy, Manthi, they're there. So I'm like, hey, you know what? I said, do you think they stretch? And she's like, no. And then Kathy turns around and looks at me all sincere and serious-like. And she goes, do the math. <laughs> and I just was scared. <laughs> One, I'm like, that you got such confidence that I could do the math. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. I mean, I'm still working on my sixes, six times two, is well, you know, <laughs> let alone this, you know. So then Debbie comes to my rescue. So she comes to my rescue, so we start figuring it out. So here's what we figure out. We started out allowing five feet of body space. Okay, and another thing, for all you accountants and mathematical people, we just tried to figure this out, okay? All right? (laughs) All right. So we started out allowing five feet of body space for each person, then calculated about 5,280 feet in a mile. Dividing that by five feet of body space, we figured that gave us about 1,056 people in a mile. Now, multiplying 1 million people times five feet of body space equals 5 million feet. Divide it by 5,280 feet that is in the mile, we got about 947 miles. And we also took this through Don Chassie, too, the other mathematical person here. So I, I think we're pretty good. He gave me confidence to get up here. So he helped us out, too, with that. So we got 947,000 miles. Now, do we have the, uh, the map? I was supposed to have a map. But was gonna, she thought she could bring There we go. All right. So here, when we stretch it out, Debbie went on the, on the uh, computer and got the map of the United States. And this is the chain from Milwaukee. Down there, it's supposed to be to, from Madison to Macon, uh, Georgia. 
So as you look at that, it's saying when Moses was down in Georgia, you got other people who was just getting to uh, Chattanooga. You have one group that was in Evansville there, and one group was in Chicago, and some of the people hadn't even left Milwaukee yet. That's what it's like leading all those people down there in that deal. Now, like, let's say that's not single file, and they had camels and all kinds of stuff. And even if you say, well, were they in a line, you can stretch them out, but still, now you got them going all the way over from Pittsburgh to over here. That many people. So again, you know, as we talk about healings, and the great things that God can do. I mean, this just shows again the magnificence of God that he could get all those people there like that, you know. And uh, I can see too why Moses got a little upset, you know, because that's a lot of people, you know. We were playing around with this at the office like, well, how do you communicate, you know. Tell them we're going left. 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 What do you say? He got a toothache. <laughs> you know, so it's going to be um, one of those things, but it's just the journey of, of that and just looking at what God did with all those people there. He's a good God. All right. So as I've been many years on my journey here with God and going through this, I feel in a good spot to to speak on this one here about wandering and the mountains and just the things that God have there um, that he brought him out. In Exodus 19, uh, we're going to bring up Exodus 19. And it says, In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they set out from Raphim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. And camped in the wilderness, and there Israel camped in front of the mountain. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Now, the upper story with this, and I'm going to go into prayer here first. Father, we just come before you and thank you that you would just take these words now and just do what you can do, Father that you would be glorified by this story, that you, your son, Jesus Christ, Father, receive all the glory. Father, that we would hear your love for us. We would hear your grace and your mercy for us, that we would hear your true character, Father God, in the way that you care for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The upper story of this, as we read this, is God had him on the mountain, and God was talking to Moses, and he's saying, I'm going to make you my people. You just came out of Egypt, and they had been slaves. They hadn't had no God, really. And by this time, generations and generations have passed that they have forgotten, you know, Jacob and all the people who were before them. So now they're at the mountain, and God is like, okay, here we go. I'm finna make you my people. I'm going to be your God. And so they're there. He's speaking to them. Moses come down, and then they begin the journey. 
He's taking them on, and he's got this land of milk and honey for them. He's got all this promise. I'm going to give you these lands, but you've got to learn to, to be my people. And so a part of this, as they start to wander or journey with God in this, that they really don't get and grasp and understand this point, what God is really saying, that I'm going to be your God. But again, we understand they don't know God. They don't have that. And again, a lot of that is what we are have today in that same thing. A lot of us have been pulled out of our Egypts, and then we're now with God, and we're walking, we're learning, we're doing things to grow, to know God as our God, and to trust him in that way. And so this is where they were at. And the upper story part of that was God just trying to love on them and bring them in to reclaim them as, as his people so they could know him and be afresh with him. Which this is a promise and plan is still being fulfilled today with the Israelite people and with us. God is letting us know what he has for us. And it has his will and it's our obedience that brings it about. That the story is still alive. The story is still happening in our lives today. We're still walking out that story. We're still going into these places with God and doing these things. After being in the desert of Sinai, and they camped at the bottom of the mountain for two years and two months, and they started the journey to the land of milk and honey. Now, the lower story. Now, when we are leaving a bad place with a good place as our destination, anything that is not adding to that is an annoyance to us. So we can imagine these people had a lot of annoying things along the way. So much annoyance were bigger than the things that God did for them. And that's the deal. When you're leaving a, a good, a bad place and you're headed somewhere, we're on a journey somewhere to a good place. Anything in between that annoys us. It's just an annoyance. And it is, you know, you're leaving this bad place. And even if you're going on a vacation trip. And you leave home and, you know, for a while you're headed to Florida and you pull over, you see some stuff. Well, all of that stuff's fun and it's good. But you know what? I'm ready to get to Florida. I'm ready to get down there now. And so that's a part of this like now is that they, when God was doing these things for them, when he was feeding them, you know, all these people are walking. And then it talks about how, well, we don't have nothing to eat, Moses. We don't have nothing to eat. Then God gives them manna. And so he gives them food. He gives them their bread. So then they got that. And then they go a while. Well, Moses, we want meat. We want this, you know, where we want. So then God gives them all this meat, more meat than they can stand. Meat that was coming out their nostrils. They had so much meat now. And God was showing them his greatness and his goodness, you know. And so, again, these people are wandering. And so I can understand, especially with that many people, how you can be annoyed at any little thing, because here we are walking, you know, let, uh, don't I have the picture of the journey of Sinai desert? I think we have one of those slides up there. I should, well, maybe we don't. Um, but they, they had the slide to show you the journey of where they were coming out of there. And then a, a picture, a slide of the desert to, uh, yeah. Okay. There's a picture of the desert that you can imagine walking through that. And even then, you couldn't always spread out 
but it's got that rugged terrain out there and these mountains and stuff and the heat and all this stuff out there. I mean, just imagine trudging along in that, you know, and not to mention, like I said, if you're, if you're down in Georgia and you're in the middle between there and Milwaukee, how much camel stuff you got to step over in the two days that were left behind, you know, it's just so much to try to figure out, you know, now you guys got stuff to talk about at the dinner table, you know, today at the lunch table, like, yeah, just imagine all of that. But again, it was just, you know, the enormity of that. And then they walked through there on this journey. And where they could have went across, but God took them around this away because, again, they're on this journey and they're learning the character of God. They're learning the goodness of God. They're learning what he can supply for them, the things that he can do for them. And he's trying to show them in all this time, as well as it is with us when we're set out and we're on our journey. Like I say, there's lots of things in my life that as I've journeyed that God has done for me. You know, and, and places and things that he's just shown me, his goodness, his kindness. He's shown me his grace and his mercy. So it's just really to see that, that this is what he was really trying to do, was trying to teach them this, to show them his love. There is the Lord's story is now when they are leaving a bad place, they just couldn't handle that. We can make God's plan. We can't make his plan go faster. But we can and do slow his plan down. The Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years was not his plan. But as, we, but as we say, they wanted to take the hard road. We spend more time wandering than we do on the mountaintop. The thing of it was, was they didn't have to, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to spend all that time out in the desert. But because they didn't realize and really accept who God was, it made the journey longer. It was one of those things like God's just doing what he owes us. He owes us this. It was kind of like a he owes us. So they just was letting that happen. It wasn't where they were seeing the fact of God really being God. And again, like I said, you know, that's a lot of our journey is that if we walk with God, God doesn't owe us anything. And the point is, is are we awake enough and are we looking enough to learn what he's trying to show us in our journey? Are we learning everything that God's trying to show us of his goodness, of his character, that then he can show us about us and who we are? And then we can take our place in our identity as knowing who we are. The conflicting reports. See, they started out journeying with God. And then sometimes, somewhere, in the, it turns into wandering. Situations, circumstances of life bring fear and doubt that changes our journey into wandering. Joshua faced all of the things everyone else faced, and yet he remained a journey. Through, even though he was journeying with people who were wandering. Right here in Numbers 13, 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. And they're talking about the land. They went down, they spied out the land and everything where God told them to go check it out in Cana. And now they were coming back with a report of what had happened. And then he said, we should take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which 
we have gone and spying it out is a land that is devoured and inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There are also, there also we saw the Nephilims, the sons of Ankai are part of the Nephilims and we became like grasshoppers in our sight. And so we were in their sight. Here they come back to give the people a report. God had told them, again, here, go take this land. I'm giving you this land. Go down and scout it out. Go see how good it is. Go check these things out. God had talked to them. He brought them out of Egypt. They're on this journey. And so they go and they look at the situation. They go and they look at the circumstances. And then they come back. And then they, and some give this report. They gave this report. Um, and then in the report, though, here's what they said. There are also, we saw um, the Nephilim, sons of Arkad, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. When God sends us to places and challenges and things like that, and we're going to go do this and we got to have faith to carry things with God, it depends on who I see myself as. Because just like he said here, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. Then they saw us as grasshoppers. They did not see us as the men of God who was sent here to spy out because they saw the circumstance and then they measured the circumstance and they said made the circumstance bigger than God. Then once you make your circumstance bigger than God, you don't stand a chance. Okay? And so therefore, that's what happened with them is that they saw that and then now they belittled themselves although God had told them what he was going to do for them, how he was going to give them this land. And that's one of the things in our journey that we have to be careful about is that if we're journeying with God and if God is sending you somewhere and it looks overwhelming, it looks big, it looks whatever, do not count yourself as a grasshopper. Because if you're going to do that, you defeat it at that point. But most of all, you just made God a liar and you made God powerless when you let your circumstances be bigger. Now, it's normal human nature that we would have fear. We'd be a little, little doubtful, but I, I need to push forward. The guys should have come back and said, you know, hey, it's big, but we need to figure this out. We need to pray or something, but not consider ourselves to be grasshoppers in the sight of God. Amen? Amen. All right. So, one of the things is, is, you know, and, I, and, I, and I've been there. I, I've had that happen. I, um, before I got here, I was interning. When I was in MATC, I interned at this housing place. And then another guy, he came and he was there. And I was interning with this guy, Carmen Porco. Really, really decent man. Uh, influential man in Madison and stuff. And, you know, I was interning with him. And he had offered me different opportunities and stuff. And to, to go to Bible school and different things where I'm turning and just learned a lot from him. And then the other guy that was there, who was there and he was learning stuff. And so years have went on. I'm here at City Church and all of this. And so one day I'm, I'm at a home watching the news and my wife points out, she goes, oh, there's your Carmen. 
Well, they were giving him right around in February, January, the Martin Luther King Citizenship Award. He and Everett was getting this, you know. And so they were getting this. So I thought, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm going to go here. It was um, downtown Madison there. So I went there. My daughter went with me. I got her to go with me. And now I'm sitting up there and I'm seeing all this Carmen them. They're getting the award. And then Everett's there, the guy that was there. And now all of a sudden Everett is a pastor of a church here in Madison, as well as he's a Dane County sitting judge uh, in Madison now. And so I'm like, wow, Everett's a judge now, you know. So he's doing all that. Well, leaves to say now I became a grasshopper. You know, I saw all this and I'm like, well, man, what what did I do in my life? Where am I? All of a sudden I saw them and saw this and saw how he took the opportunity and, and went so far with it. And yet now I'm feeling like, well, I had the same opportunity, but I didn't do as much. Oh boy. So Greg had to take me to, Pastor Greg had to take me down to PDQ for lunch because I'm kind of like, oh man, I don't know. I, I just, who am I? You know, what am I doing with my life? You know, and again, circumstances of people and certain things we see can then can change our image of who we are. But I have to keep believing what God says about me and where God brought me. And that was not my journey. Even though I had the opportunities, that wasn't for me to be. Not to mention all of the um, work and effort that I know he had to put in for a lot of that. I don't think I got that in me to put up that much work and effort. I'm glad Pastor Tom is the senior pastor. Amen. Yeah. So, again, you know, when you're doing those things like that, it comes to that place of just believing in what God's saying. The Israelites thought they could get the promised land with no effort on their part. Like I pointed out um, in 33, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They defeated themselves before the battle. And we can't do that. We have to go into that promised land and get there to that place. In Numbers 14, it says, Number 14, Then all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept, and all, that night all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would, would that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Now, again, because of circumstances and situations get hard and you look at life, They want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back to slavery and to this thing. When I work with people with addictions and and alcohol and drug addictions, I get that. Because here's the deal. Even though that was slavery and stuff, what they're saying right now is that, God, you got us in this new place. You got us in this new land, and we don't know nothing out here. And things aren't coming fast enough for us. But if we go back to Egypt, we know Egypt. We know how to do Egypt. We can make it there. It's the same thing, you know, like I said, when I talk to people with drug and alcohol, I know when I'm helping them and and they're doing work, it's easy. They don't want to do that, but that's just easy. 
I know people there. People know me over there and all the things. And I know how to make it work over there in that culture. When I come out here and I'm at church with these church people and they all look sober and then they're saying hi and some look fake. Oh, this is really hard because then who do I trust? Who who can I be vulnerable with? Because a lot of it is coming out is being vulnerable because it's like we don't know. And it's just like these people here. They were vulnerable, but they didn't trust God. They didn't believe in him on the journey. And so, therefore, they kept going back. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt because here will they'll plunder us. Well, if you're going to go back, God's going to strike you dead before you even get back. And two, if you do go back, the other part of it is some of you are going to die before you get back. And then when you get back, they're going to make your wife and kids plunder and you. So I'm really not getting the logic of saying, well, let's go back. But again, it's not logical. It's just the thing that we're doing because this is what I know. And that's what we have to be careful about is that when we make ground with God, when we make parts in our journey, that we can't turn back to that thing that's simple and easy for me to do. I have to stay away from that because it's easy and simple for me to go back into that. But the thing of it is, is that you got to keep journeying and you're believing in God. So fast forwarding. To numbers. So the Lord said, I have pondered them according to your word. But indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I perform in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice, shall not uh, by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurn me see it by my servant Caleb, because but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. Here's where I'm saying now, because of all of that, that bad report out of all of what God said at this point, they went wandering. Now God was setting them out to wander because out of all of what I've done and the things that I've tried to show you and be there for you, they wouldn't take it. They wouldn't receive it. They nope, not none of that. And so they went to wandering. And then that's where that journey started. I would think someone would have said, Moses, go back up the mountain and talk these things over with God. Because you see, when Moses, when they were one journey, Moses went up on the mountaintops and great things happened up there and they led us. And you would think somewhere somebody would have said to Moses to go up on the mountaintop and make sure God is really wanting us to go in there. Go talk to them before they cowered out, before they became grasshoppers, that then you can go do that. You see, when we read this story in the other chapters, Exodus, regarding this part of the story, Moses' mountaintops experience are awesome. I believe God provides us all the opportunity to have mountaintop experiences. These are really the just the times where we talk with God. This is the other term for prayer time and time out with God. Because you go to the mountaintop when Moses would do that. And in your journey, 
Like when we saw that picture of the desert, they had hills and bluffs and mountains. And that's always out there. And that's for us to do it. When we journey with God, we need to take the time to go up to that mountaintop. Although going to the mountaintop, like I said, when Moses went up there, you know, you read through it. Him and Moses had quite a conversation sometime. You know, like I say, Moses got frustrated, you know. Hey, you know, did I birth all these people? Why are you making me walk with all these people? And who are all these people that I got to care for them? And, you know, and then one time it was where now you read and God's like, go down. Your people are being bad. And then my people, <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny when you read it. Just the practicalness of God and, and Moses on the mountaintop. I, I like that. It's like just practical. But again, the mountaintop experience is where we go and God comes and he speaks to us. But I must tell you, um, sometimes you go to the mountain, God's telling you stuff that you don't want to hear. Part of me doing this message, why I'm saying I can relate to this so well, is that uh, Pastor Tom had asked me to speak last November. And I was posted to it, and I was just like, went to him and says, I don't think I'm there. I'm not, I'm not there. Um, so he was great. I said, sign me up next year, which was the day. And then we were into the story, and then he gave me the one wandering. And then I looked at wandering, and then I was like, oh, okay, because that's probably where I was in November and December. I was wandering. That's why I couldn't preach. And so I got that because, you know, I was on the mountaintop, and this is the part where I said I was not born Pastor Andrew. I'm learning to be Pastor Andrew, okay? But I was on the mountaintop with God, and I get to the mountain, and on my mountain, God is speaking to me right now about, it's not about you. It's not about you, Andrew. It's just not about you. And we've been on that journey. So I came down off the mountain and went wandering. I just went wandering because God's telling me on the mountain, it's not about me. And I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure out, okay, it's not about me, God. Okay, I get that, you know? And I feel like Peter, when he says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, no, I love you. Leave me alone. You know? <laughs> but it's one of those things where, you know, it's just like that, where I, I got off the mountain and because he's telling me it's not about you. So I went wandering. And sometimes, you know what? We wander. We go, well, I'm in a desert. I'm wandering. You know what I found out when you're wandering? You know what? I'm not committed to God. I'm not I'm not, I'm not sinning, but I just there's no demands on me. You know, I'm learning. It's kind of like I'm, I get a little grace period, God. I, I don't get it. I, I'm wandering, Lord. Give me a little man or some meat, you know, and that kind of stuff. Take me on. And so that's where it was for me. And so I was learning that. Uh, a while back, I was talking to my daughter. We were having some lunch a long time ago, and I talked to her, and, I, and God has been teaching me about this. It's not about you. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I says, I'm going to spend a whole week making where situations where it's not about me. Where people are getting in line, if somebody's getting in line, I'm going to let them get in front on the belt line. I'm going to back up and let people get in, you know, and all this. But then I got to thinking, you know, like, ooh, a whole week? Okay, maybe not a whole week. I don't know if I can do a whole week, you know. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do a day. And then, okay, just, okay, a half a day. I'm going to do a half a day about people just letting it be about other people. And uh, when I do that half a day, I'll let y'all know. <laughs> I'll let you know. But, you know, it's, it's just that. But then it's, again, going to that mountaintop. So I encourage you in your journey, when you're walking with God and you're on your journey, do your mountaintop. But, two, understand, yeah, on the mountain, God's speaking to you because he's making himself your God. 
And it's not about you. It isn't. It's about him and the people and the lives that he wants to touch through each and every one of you. This is what the Israelite people weren't getting. They kept it being about them. They couldn't see God. They couldn't understand all of the things that he was doing for them, all of the things that he was giving them. They couldn't see that because they kept looking at them and about what he should be doing for me, how he should be doing for me. But like I said, when we take our eyes off of us, then it's like, okay, God, what would you have me do? Then I surrender myself to him to be his vessel. And that, and, and that way, when I face the giants in the land, I know I'm a representative of God. I'm only here to do the work of God. And I can only do that through the Holy Spirit leading me. And I feel, again, if I feel God's leading me somewhere, then I should go. I should go. But again, God can't lead me somewhere if I got my eyes on me. It just isn't going to work. Because again, I'm going to get somewhere and it's going to be one of those big situations. It's going to be uh, overwhelming circumstances. And I'm going to start thinking about me. Just like Peter did when he got out of the boat. Peter kept his eyes on Jesus. And Peter was right there. to just He was with Jesus. Soon as he looked around, he started sinking. So the moral to the story... Keep your eyes on Jesus. Oh, come on now. You got a little bit more. Y'all say good morning louder than that. We're going to say his name one more time. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Forgive us, Lord. <laughs> All right. So when you're going to the mountain, you know, you got to have that and God doesn't speak. There are some here today. You're in Egypt. You need to get out. Run, Forrest, run. There are some here that you're in Egypt. You're bound by things. You don't know God as God. And if you do, I'd say run from Egypt. Go to a mountaintop. Get to a place where you can speak to God, where you can cry out to God, that you can get to know him, and that you'll find out he's been waiting and he's wanted to know you because you've got to leave Egypt. There are those who have not left Egypt long ago, but you have not made it to the foot of the mountain. Don't turn back. Keep going. Some of you are new to Christianity. You're just getting your relationship with Christ, and you've left Egypt, but yet you feel his heart. devil's putting things in your way. He's coming at you and doing stuff. Keep moving to your mountain. Keep getting to your mountain that God will encounter you, and know that God's with you in this journey. He's with you right now. As you leave Egypt, he's keeping you. He's there with you, and so keep moving. He provides in the desert. He provides for us all the time. In 1 Kings 19, 3, as he was afraid and rose and ran, ran for his life and became to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey. I've changed on you now. I'm talking about Elijah. He had just got done dealing with all of these prophets of Baal and all of that, and God brought down fire and water. If you read the story, he brought this down. He burned it up. God answered him in mighty, mighty prayer, did great work. Then the queen had told him she was going to make him like all the other prophets, which was dead. And so he ran. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a Jupiter tree. 
and he requested for himself that he might die and said, uh, that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life for I am not better than my father's. He laid down and slept under a Jupiter tree and behold, there was an angel touching him and he said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked and behold, there was at his head bread cake baked on hot stone and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went into the strength and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Here is where Elijah, like I said, he had just done this great thing. He had done this really good thing with God. But then again, he put his eyes on himself. He ran for his life and all of this. He went out in the desert. But here's the goodness of God. He's running after doing this thing in fear from God. He's out in the desert. And God sends an angel to him and tells him, here, here's some water. Here's some bread. Eat. And then he comes back a second time. He gives him some more because he says, your journey is going to, you're going to be too weak for your journey. So eat and drink. I see this, that God is even with us when we're going the wrong way. When we're going the wrong way, God will still be faithful to us to help and provide for us. He'll do that for us. That's his goodness. That's his grace and his mercy of God, that he's with us the right way and the wrong way. And that if we do something and great for God, and then we're scared to do something again, that we get the courage to continue to do for God and always do for God because he's there. And if you messed up, if you made some kind of mistake and you just feel bad and, oh, I just understand God is with you. He's still caring about you and he wants you to go the right way. Here it is. So he said, God, for, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by and a great and strong wind was rending the mountain, breaking in pieces. And the rocks before him, the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind after the wind and the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire sound, a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he was wrapped in, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord. The God of hosts, for the son of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn your altars and kill you, prophets, with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now God talks to him, and he sends him back. He sends him back. He goes to talk to him and sends him back and tell him who to get hooked up with and what's going to happen. But again, God was with him going the wrong way. Because God can follow us the wrong way because in that gentle voice that spoke to him, he'll turn you around and put you back on the right path. And he doesn't have to come down on you like an earthquake. He don't got to burn you like a fire. He can speak to your heart in such a way that you know to pick yourself up and to turn and go the right way with God because he's there providing for us and he's there doing those things for us. In 1 Corinthians, For I do not want you 
to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud in the sea and at and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which flowed followed them. The rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with the most of them, God was not well pleased that they were laid low in the wilderness. But Jesus is there. They were drinking from the rock. When we're in our desert, when we're walking around those places, we need to drink of Christ. We are covered in the blood of Christ that gives us our salvation. But it's those times in our desert places, in those times where we're feeling thirsty, that I need to pray, go on that mountaintop and receive from Christ the life that I need. I need to go up there and let Jesus speak into me of who I am. When I'm feeling doubt of myself, when I see other people doing things and I feel like, man, I wish I had done this or gotten that better, that God can speak into my life and that he can lift us up. He can rise us up and he wants to rise us up because he has a mission for each and every one of us in a journey that we would take and to do. If I can get the worship team to come up, that God is leading us that way. So I just want to encourage you all in that, that God is with you. If you're in the desert or not in the desert, keep journeying. If you've left Egypt, can you stand please? Egypt is the place where they were in bondage. They were enslaved. And God was taking them to that land of milk and honey. The land of milk and honey is the place where all of our gifts, all of our talents flow. The milk and honey is being in that place where I just know I'm in that right place with God. And I feel God's love on me. And God is using me. And people are getting hope. People are feeling love. People are feeling cared by. Things are just good. And it's not about me, but it's for those that are around me and those that God is putting before me and he's showing me and touching their lives. So I just encourage you all to continue your journey, do your mountaintop, and keep pressing forward. Encourage those that you know that may be in Egypt. Help them to leave Egypt. Help them to a mountain that they can get there and find Christ as their Savior. Father, we thank you for this day. To you be all glory and honor, Father. I just pray that you would confirm everything that is said that is of you, Father. For those who need to come out of Egypt. For those who are there in Egypt right now and you want to leave Egypt. You don't know God as your Savior. We're going to have prayer teams down here. They'll be down here to pray with you. I'll be down here to pray. If you're here today and you want to leave Egypt and you want to journey towards the mountaintop to know Jesus Christ you want to have Jesus with you in your journey we'll ask you to come down here and we'll pray with you and talk with you Father I just pray that you would remove us all from our Egypts you know what they are Father I just pray that you would point to us and show us what they are Father if we've left Egypt I pray for strength for those to not turn back because the situation has become hard. Father, I pray that the eyesight of those who are your sons and daughters would know themselves as sons and daughters and not grasshoppers. They would know themselves as the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. 
Father, I just pray these things that you would make it so in the lives of us that we continue on for your glory and your honor upon this earth, in our communities, in our jobs, wherever we can get your glory to go. We want it to be there, Father. Lead us and guide us in all rightness. We just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.